Good morning, everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Richard Holmes. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Kelly Evans ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Evans' specialty is internal medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Evans. Good morning, Laura. Happy to be with you this morning. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this sunny day. We're happy to have some sunshine Yes, it looks awesome out there. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, Dr. Evans, we've been... Seeing more and learning more in the news recently about COVID-19. Um, it was such a new virus, and we—I uh, mean, it was a new virus when it first came out. And so we've been learning slowly about how it works. And there's been more information about how it spreads. Could you tell us a little bit more about what we know now about how COVID-19 spreads? Yeah, I think it's a great topic and so timely as we see a lot in the news, and we in our own community are trying to get back to what we all are referring to as what's going to be our new normal and and what we feel safe doing and what maybe we still should be cautious about. Um, I think the more that we've learned, what, what the data that we can collect is basically epidemiologic data, meaning where are, are the big outbreaks happening? How can we theorize that this virus is spreading from one person to another? I think when we have larger outbreaks, the commonality there is that it tends to be amongst groups of people who are sharing a space for a more prolonged period of time. So the big outbreaks we've seen have been um, in workplaces, sometimes in places of worship, including there was a, a big choir practice in Washington State early on in the outbreak that had a large a large area of spread. Um, so indoor closed spaces with people there for, you know, more than a transient amount of time. We haven't seen big outbreaks that have been linked to things like the grocery store or places that people are there for shorter periods of time. So that's something that I think we can link back to how we know this is spread and the science of how it's spread and um, use that information to try to make wise decisions going forward. Right, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, I've heard a little bit more about maybe surfaces aren't as big of a risk as maybe we originally thought. Yeah. What what are your thoughts? You know, I think we're still collecting data on this. So this is one of those things I think we we have been able to prove that in the lab or in a Petri dish, as, as sort of an example, we can see that virus can live on a surface for a period of time. And that was a really scary thought for all of us way back when. Oh my gosh, is the grocery that I'm touching infected? Is the package I'm receiving infected? We haven't been able to document um, large outbreaks of spread from that mode of transmission. So it probably is not responsible for very a large percentage of cases. It certainly could be responsible for a case here or there, but I think it seems unlikely that we're going to see a big outbreak from something like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds good. Well, we're going to be going to our first break shortly. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. We've been talking a little bit about COVID, but if you have other issues you want to have us address, give us a call 
at 605-692-1430. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. The grass is growing, and that means it's time to mow. Please remember these safety measures to protect your health. Wear goggles, hearing protection, gloves, and long pants. Always wear sturdy closed-toed shoes while mowing the lawn. Do not drink alcohol or use other substances before or while using your lawnmower. Do not remove safety devices or guards on the mower and never insert hands or feet into the mower to remove grass or debris. Parents, teach these safety measures to your children. This safety tip is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Before our break, we were talking about COVID-19 and how it spreads, as we've been learning more about that. Um, Dr. Evans brought to my attention an article that she found. you want to tell us a little bit about the article? Yeah, found? I, I found a great, or I just read a great lay media article on um, National Public Radio's website recently that basically was interviewing a few ep- expert epidemiologists about what summer activities are low risk versus medium and high risk for transmission of this virus as we try to look at how our lives are going to look over the next few months. And I I think they they really boiled down the principles of how outbreaks have appeared to happen with this virus and try to apply it to things that we can look forward to doing or not doing this summer. Yeah. So, I I mean, I think the the basic principles that they talk about are um, really relate back to what do we know about how these outbreaks have occurred. And so they referred to some outbreaks, like I said, in in restaurants and places of worship and workplaces. And really the common thread is that people are sitting in certain proximity to each other for prolonged periods of time. So this virus, we think, primarily is spread via what we call respiratory droplets. These droplets go into the air, they're invisible. They certainly, they come out in large amounts and probably fire further into the air when people are coughing and sneezing, but they do so in smaller amounts when we're talking, laughing, um, and, and having even asymptomatic activity. So the, the principles by which you might assess risk are um, how close are you to other people? Um, because the closer you are to a person that even is just talking, the more um, droplets you stand to be at risk of inhaling of theirs. Um, How long are you around that person? So this other principle of infection is that it tends to, like you're probably not going to get an infection even if someone is putting talking droplets into the air if you're talking to them for a minute. You probably don't get quite enough virus into your system to get the infection. But if you're sitting in proximity for an hour or two hours, like in the setting of maybe eating together um, at a restaurant or eating at an adjacent table or sort of downstream from the, um, the air circulation in a restaurant, um, if you're there for an hour or two, you, you stand to get more of those droplets over time and have higher risk of infection. Interesting. Yeah. And so being outside yeah. as a definite impact on yeah. them as well, is that right? I think we I think primarily because of just 
how those droplets are ventilated and dispersed in the air. Outside, as a rule, is definitely lower risk than inside. Um, so, uh, and and again, I don't think it has anything to do with you know there there's some there's been some speculation on you know will the sunshine and the heat kill the virus? I don't think it has anything to do with that. It just has to do with that with the fact that respiratory droplets will disperse much more quickly and widely in an outdoor environment. Mm -hmm. So let's think about a few activities, yeah. Dr. Evans. So if we wanted to have a backyard gathering with yeah. one other family, um, how would you, what would you say about that? Yeah, so I, this is something that my family has done and I think we will do through the summer, even, even as I personally will tend to be um, pretty careful about this through the next few months. I think we will choose wisely as far as the people that we would, would invite um, over to our home and, and probably choose a family that um, is being cautious, as cautious as we are, as, a, as opposed to maybe a, a more, um, a, a less cautious uh, philosophy. Um, but we would eat outdoors. I think choose a nice evening and, and eat outdoors and sort of try to keep that distance of six feet across the table. I think the challenge in my family is that we have small kids, and so small kids are kind of hard to direct to socially distance, so that's something that we have to take into account that maybe adults wouldn't have to take into account. Mm -hmm. Certainly try to avoid sharing utensils or um, et, et cetera um, and, and wash hands, but I think that's a doable thing and, and probably a low-risk thing to do. So gathering with another family outdoors might be okay. Yeah. Um, as we consider the size of a group, you know, this this example is one other family. What um, can we have two other families? Yeah. Where do you where do you what do you think? I think this is all a spectrum. I think mm -hmm. the more people that you introduce, the the potentially higher risk becomes. I think if you have a space to accommodate distancing of more people, um, it's it, there's not necessarily a definitive answer there. I think if you're as you start to sort of crowd people onto a patio or outdoor space, that probably would tend to increase your risk. But if you have space outdoors, um, it, it's hard to, I would say it's hard to, for me to put a number on what's safe and what's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think it just gets trickier to maintain whatever expectations you're hoping to have with social distancing and whatever yeah. with the more people you get involved. Right, and agreed. And I think if, if, if it's something that you, you want to make sure that your comfort level sort of matches the comfort level of your guests uh, and vice versa. And so just be, I think, be open about it and, and, and open about it with the other families that you're sharing space with. Very good. Mm -hmm. Now, what about eating indoors at a restaurant? Yeah, so, I mean, th this is, killing me. I, I love eating at our local restaurants. I love our local establishments. There have been several documented outbreaks at restaurants, and it's, it's interesting. This article showed some figures of data um, on, for example, at, at one restaurant outbreak, it was very clear that probably one asymptomatic carrier spread it to most of the people at the same table and the adjacent tables that were downstream in the circulation of how the air is circulated in that restaurant. Um, so pretty clear how this, this is spread in an indoor environment. Again, I think just the, the absence of, of circulation um, that can compare to outdoors is probably the risk. So the longer you're there, probably the more risk you're going to have. The thing about an eating event is that it's really not 
feasible to wear masks in that setting either. So that that might be something. I mean, I think if if I were to choose to dine at a restaurant right now, I would try to do it where I could do it outside. I mean, we do have some great restaurants who have outdoor dining options. Um, my family continues to use takeout from our wonderful local restaurants and try to support them as best we can while, while maintaining that. But probably dining and talking for a prolonged period of time indoors is going to be high risk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. What about attending a religious service indoors? So this is something that I think has been deemed higher risk across the board um, and, and primarily just because of characteristics that go along with religious services, which tend to be that they're large groups of people by nature. Um, typically, you're in closer contact, though I, I, that's something that could be accommodated to some degree. And then there is, you know, you're there for a prolonged period of time. There's talking and, and singing probably projects droplets into the air. So for that reason, the epidemiologists in the study deemed it a high-risk activity. Yeah, I've seen a number of churches and places of worship trying to come up with some alternatives. You know, many have been doing things online, which mm -hmm. has been working well. And, you know, some are trying to do drive-up services where you're in yeah. cars. Yeah. So people are being creative. People Keep are being, being creative. creative. I get it. And, you know, yeah. all of these things are hard for various people. And certainly this is, some, this is a place where a lot of people experience community every week when they go to their religious services. So I, I, this is something that I realize is hard on people, and I appreciate um, those religious leaders trying to be creative and right. do things as safely as possible. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break, and we would invite you to give us a call at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like to have us address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Being alone or with very limited social interactions during the pandemic can be difficult. With some effort on your part, there are some ways to decrease the effects of isolation. Keep a schedule. Stay active. Do something meaningful like working on your genealogy or organizing photo albums. Connect with others by letter, email, phone, Zoom, or try online games. Find comfort in old movies or lighting a candle and having a cup of tea. These are just a few ideas to get you thinking. You can do this. If you find your loneliness getting out of hand with feelings of depression, call your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings at 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430 with your questions. We've been talking about COVID-19 and how it spreads and um, the risk associated with some of our favorite summer activities yeah. and how we assess what, um, how, how high of a risk these different opportunities are. Um, we, we heard the bummer of a news this week that the pool will not be opening in Brookings. Yeah. Um, and we know that's a favorite for many families, um, but let's talk a little bit about why we're seeing that pools could be a, a risky. Yeah, place. I mean, I think I, I agree. Such a, There's a lot of bummers that have gone along with this, and yes. I know especially families with, with kids that love to go to the pool, this is, is hard on them. Um, I, you know, I, I, I am supportive of the decision to close, and I'll tell you why, Laura. 
I think there, so I think some of the feedback has been, you know, maybe a pool could be low risk because of the chlorine and, you know, then the natural disinfecting. And I, I would agree, I think the risk of surfaces at the pool being contaminated and being a source of spread are probably quite low. Um, that being said, I don't know, you know, if you've spent any time with kids at the pool, um, keeping one's distance just is not something that I think is doable or enforceable there. And, um, you know, I have, I have four-year-olds, so what's, what my four-year-olds are going to be doing at the pool is drinking water right next to another kid that's drinking water, <laughs> probably spitting and coughing every time they go under the water. Um, and, and those airborne droplets, are, are the risk, I mean, and, and keeping people close together. And I just, I think the, the folks making that decision just knew that they, there wouldn't be a, a reliable way to enforce any sort of distancing among the population that, that spends time there. And probably that's, that's why they decided it wasn't worth the risk of, of opening this year, which, which I, again, I support as bummed out as we all are about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the right decision <laughs> yeah. for all of us. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of related to time yeah. on the water, we have opportunities, maybe some of us perhaps to go boating or go yeah. to the beach, maybe where there's more open yeah. space. And yeah, and like I that. think, again, you know, these are outdoor activities, which as long as you're able to keep some distance are probably lower risk if you're able to sort of control who's who's on the boat with you and, and the distance that you're keeping. I think there are some things that are going to be doable and still low risk outdoors this year. Um, another um, option that we might is a outdoor celebration such as a wedding with yeah. more than 10 guests. One of the gals I used to babysit had a wedding planned for June, yeah. had her save the dates and all that out, and it's just been a bummer to see I that know. she's had to kind of navigate all these things. I really feel for the people wedding. that are planning these events yes. for this year and either have already had to cancel or right. reschedule them or are trying to make decisions about that this summer. So hard. Right. Um, I think, you know, this is something, the risk to go along with a gathering like this is going to depend on the number of people in the setting. Um, I mean, a traditional wedding, even if it's outdoors, is probably a high-risk thing. You have, you know, possibly hundreds of people gathered together. There's not really, I mean, I don't think any venue really allows for people keeping their distance in that setting. Um, and things like buffet lines and stuff like that are probably higher risk. So these are going to be challenging decisions for people to figure out how they're going to um, either either delay a wonderful celebration or do it maybe in a different way. Um, but these are things that, you know, if, if you're particularly a high-risk patient, you may make decisions to not go to an event that has a lot of people at it, even if it is outdoors, um, just because you, you're likely to be... Um, dining around people and, and sort of sitting around people that could possibly be spreading it without knowing it for prolonged periods of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about public restrooms. You know, when yeah. we're, um, my family is over by Laverne and we did go do a social distance hello to them on yeah. Saturday and hung out outside with my parents a uh -huh. little bit. Uh, but the journey there, you might need to stop and use that public restroom. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about those risks. Yeah, so, I mean, the in the article that we're referring to, these epidemiologists deem this a pr probably a pretty low-risk activity. Um, 
mostly citing that that public restrooms have always taken into account um, infection control, right? So we we try to. I mean, I think the the risk probably again is not huge in the surfaces, especially if you wash your hands as you're exiting the restroom thoroughly. Um, it would probably just be if you were to encounter someone coughing in the restroom or something like that. Okay. So I might just take care to, um, even if there's a, a, a couple stalls, maybe wait until the bathroom's empty to enter and go. I think that's where the big risk lies. And then just make sure you're really thoroughly washing your hands and, and touching as few surfaces as possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, some of these things are unavoidable, right? If we're going to do right. any life, we might have to use a public restroom. Right. So we just have to try and be as safe as we can. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we all put our masks on as we went in yeah. and had to do those kiddos right. too, so that right. was good. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of related, if you are if you are hosting that other family at your house outdoors, what if they need to use the restroom and come in? Yeah, I think that's fine. Um, yeah. Again, I think as long as we're doing hand washing and um, it's, it's a small amount of time that people are spending together indoors, then I think that's, that's a low-risk thing and probably not something worth losing sleep over. As we consider a summer vacation, yeah. whether that's um, staying in a hotel, renting a mm -hmm. cabin or a house, um, maybe bringing our own camper might be ideal, but yeah. what, what are some things that we should consider as we think about summer vacation planning? Yeah, I think as, as we've talked about sort of the principles of how most of these infections spread by, by droplets in the air, you can think about um, staying at a place that's not your house and, and try to assess that risk. Certainly, if you're going camping in a tent or camper, that's probably very low risk. You're staying with your family, you're going to be outdoors, and, and the, the people you're indoors with are the same people you're indoors with at home. Um, a hotel, these people, these epidemiologists deemed pretty low risk if you were just keeping to your room and probably wearing a mask in and out of the, the public spaces. Um, you know, you might want to bring your own disinfecting wipes along and, and you could sort of re-disinfect the commonly touched surfaces would be a prudent thing to do. But probably, again, we haven't seen large outbreaks from surface spread um, and, and those places are held to fairly high standards of cleaning in any case, so probably lower risk. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Um, we've seen some stores opening up and even malls mm -hmm. opening up. Uh, what about risk? Uh, for going shopping indoors at these stores? I think risk will vary depending on, again, size and crowdedness um, of, of that place. So um, certainly if you're in a small store and there's a large number of people in there, higher risk. Um, also varies depending on how long you spend in it. I mean, I think if you are spending 10 minutes looking for an item in a store, that's probably pretty low risk. Um, this is really the reason we're trying to encourage universal masking, as, as, as we've probably talked about before on this show. The more people in masks, um, the less likely there are going to be very many droplets in the air to increase people's risk of contracting when out and about. Um, but I think entirely dependent on the crowdedness and the time that you're there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's talk about exercising a little yeah. bit, maybe outdoor exercising, as well as if we want to start doing some things in gyms with groups and things like yeah. that. Yeah, so outdoor exercise, probably low risk. I mean, um, I think we can imagine as we talk about the airborne droplets, anytime one is exercising, probably those droplets are going to be more in number because we're breathing faster and uh, spreading further, so, so breathing harder. So probably any precautions that you're taking in other settings of your life, I would ex 
take extra precautions with exercising. So that, again, again, outdoor exercise, I think very low risk. Um, and doing that in, in a small group, if you are someone that likes to run with a partner, et cetera, that's something that I have already been doing. I'm, com I, I'm pretty comfortable with that, with likely dispersal of those droplets pretty quickly outdoors. I think the gym is going to be another place where um, you, you have to use some judgment and certainly thinking about, you know, if, if six feet's good enough when you're just talking, maybe further than that is better if, if you're exercising um, just because droplets are going to spread a little farther um, and making sure that you're doing lots of hand washing and sanitizing practices or that you're, and, that, and that you trust the place that you're exercising, you trust the people that work there to be doing their part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, we need to take our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. We have a few minutes left. If you have a question, give us a call at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like to have us address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Be aware, with warmer weather, you may find ticks. Ticks live in grassy, bushy, or wooded areas. Spending time outside walking your dog, camping, gardening, or hunting can bring you in close contact with ticks. To prevent ticks from attaching, treat your clothes and gear with products containing 0.5% permethrin. Permethrin can be used to treat boots, clothing, and camping gear and remains protective through several washings. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We've been talking today about COVID-19 and how that might, um, the risk that is associated with some of our favorite summer activities as we kind of plan that. So Dr. Evans is giving us some great information for us to consider as we make decisions about our summer. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, could you tell us a little bit about what we've been learning about the symptoms associated with COVID-19 now? Yeah, so that has evolved since this whole thing started. I mean, when we first started testing and documenting cases locally and in the U.S. back in March, our criteria for testing um, people with symptoms really included only cough, shortness of breath, and fever. Um, and those certainly are predominant symptoms in people who experience um, the clinical disease associated with this virus. But that list has been added to as we've documented more cases and, and gotten more data. So other symptoms that are not, um, are, are, I should say, are fairly common with COVID-19 can be GI symptoms, so nausea, diarrhea, um, can, are fairly common. Um, so people with more severe disease tend to have diarrhea when they've collected data on that. So even if you didn't have a cough but you had diarrhea, that's something that it was probably worth a call to the clinic if it's new. Um, the other very interesting symptom is um, loss of sense of smell and taste. These are things that can happen with a lot of respiratory viruses. It's not terribly specific, but it seems to be more common amongst uh, patients with COVID-19. So if you experience sudden loss of sense of smell, um, a lot, either plus or minus other symptoms, it's worth a call. Um, and I say that because as we start going about more in our community, we absolutely want to find 
those cases so that we can, you know, make sure that people are isolating if, and, and um, not going about these activities where they're putting other people at risk. So if you have questions about symptoms, we would encourage you to call the clinic. We have a team in place to try and screen out and triage and direct to testing um, all people that who are appropriate to test. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, before we go today, I do need to give a shout out. I see that it is Joan Hogan's birthday today. Happy birthday, so Joan! Happy birthday to Joan Hogan. We um, miss you. Yes, we do. <laughs> happy birthday, Joan. Uh, before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. This Thursday, May 28th, is the final episode of the season, and we bring you the latest on COVID-19. Prairie Doc host Andrew Ellsworth and guest Dr. Justin Glass of the Family Medicine Residency in Boise, Idaho, and internist Nathan Miller of Avera Sioux Falls will be discussing finding a balance in a world with COVID-19. Be ready to call or email with your questions. So tune in for that tomorrow night at 7 p.m. on South Dakota Public Broadcasting. And we'll just let you know that is our final new episode for this season. And uh, this summer we have a great lineup of some reruns to share with you as well. So continue to tune in Thursday nights at 7 p.m. for South Dakota Public Television. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. And we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for the Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Kelly Evans for joining us today. And as Dr. Holmes would say... Stay healthy out there, people. Thanks, Laura. Thank you, Kelly.